hi, everybody. Uh, you've joined me, Kevin Stevenson, on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson here on Market Scale Radio. Always happy to have you join us on our little video podcast. And hey, if you don't have video and you just get to hear us, that's okay too. You're gonna have to indulge me a little bit uh, this week. Uh, I got a I got a new uh, kind of a new piece of art right over here. I uh, was fortunate enough, uh, one of my fraternity brothers is the executive chef at Dallas National uh, Club uh, in Dallas. It's phenomenal, just an unbelievable club. Uh, and so we were able to play that course by ourselves. Club, the club was co- uh, closed that day. And so, of course, I took a ton of pictures. And so I took a picture of the flag stick on 18. And of course, the wind was just perfect. Uh, and uh, then discovered... Uh, on social media, uh, a good friend of ours from our days in Kentucky many years ago uh, is an artist. And one of the uh, topics that she likes to paint happens to be uh, golf course flag sticks. And so I sent her the picture and her name is Kim Perry. And Kim is in uh, the Louisville, Kentucky area at Kim Perry Studios. So I sent her uh, uh, the picture and she created this beautiful piece of art. And so I'm very proud of it. Just got it this weekend. Wanted to hang into my office here. And uh, like I said, I told her I'd give her a shout out. So Kim Perry, thanks so much. Uh, I've already got uh, quite a few uh, wonderful comments and compliments on your work. So uh, uh, hopefully this might generate some business for you. So thanks for indulging me. I appreciate that. So let's get started today. We've got a really, uh, got a really interesting guest with us today. Mike Joyce is a client strategist and engagement partner at Theorem. And I'm going to ask Mike to, to tell us a little bit about Theorem. But what we'll be talking about today is we're going to talk about uh, vaccinations. And we're going to talk about what Theorem does and is planning on doing in the uh, systemic space of, of vaccine documentation through all that. So, hey, Mike, welcome to I Don't Care. Hi, Kevin. Nice to see you. Hey, it's great to meet you. Uh, thanks again for joining us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and talk a little bit about Theorem as well. Uh, So as you pointed out, um, I'm an engagement leader at Theorem, and Theorem is really focused on helping enterprise customers, you can imagine that as being the Fortune 1000, to innovate and bring innovation culture to technological problems and technological products. Um, And by virtue of that, we've spent time in the healthcare industry um, and have spent quite a bit of time thinking about that and how we can bring innovation to bear um, in a giant industry reluctant to change like healthcare. <laughs> I can't believe you think healthcare is, uh, you know, kind of difficult, uh, difficult to adapt and change. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I would never have said that over my 31 years in this. So, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued about what, uh, what you guys are, are, are doing in this space, you know, with uh, the COVID vaccinations really ramping up. Thank goodness. You know, I uh, can't wait for us to uh, to be able to get back to a sense of normalcy uh, across the world. Uh, you know, uh, my organization is a is a vaccine hub. I've seen what we're doing as far as as standing up community based clinics, clinics through our physician groups, uh, working with local school districts and the public health department, and, and you name it. Uh, you know, we're really trying to to uh, to help uh, get the vaccinations out as as uh, expediently as possible and as efficiently as possible. But there's going to be a piece of this because, you know, right now, uh, for the most part, the vaccines are, uh, you know, voluntary. But that's going to change. I mean, here here in the hospital setting, 
uh, getting a flu vaccine is just something we do every year. Uh, you know, it's really not an option. And I foresee uh, a COVID vaccine being the same thing for, for certainly hospital staff. But really, you know, uh, you, you've, you've all met my lovely wife, Michelle. She's a flight attendant for a really great, fun airline based out of Dallas that will remain nameless. But I know they're going to be, you know, the airline industry and other transportation uh, uh, modes will be requiring vaccination uh, records. And so, Mike, tell us a little bit about, you know, th where Theorem's going to be in that space. And, and you sent me a really great article, and I'm just going to espouse your problem statement. How might we, you, create a system that verifiably transmit bona fide vaccination status, testing results, and the identity of an individual before ingress to a controlled, restricted, or quarantine environment? Boy, whoever wrote that, that's nice. They did a great job. So Mike, how are you going to do this? Um, well, I, I would say that I should first start by saying that we cannot do this alone. Um, it's, right. It takes a village. And um, really, the that problem statement can be broken down into a couple of key areas. One is like the technology. And, and I'll start there because it's the easiest of this sure. particular problem. Um, the, the concept of transmitting verifiable information across the internet is not new. And in, in fact, mm -hmm. like we are communicating right now over a secure tunnel that is signed with a central authority with layers of trust baked into um, the cryptographic protocols. Um, and the same techniques can be used to hold vaccina vaccination records. And in fact, th this has been a well thought out problem and the protocols that drive something like Apple Wallet um, or Google Pay utilize these certificates to store information, like a boarding pass when you're okay. getting on a flight. There's secure data there that contains your identity. And the, the, the QR code reader, when you enter a plane, checks that, makes sure that it's real, checks it with a back-end system, you get on the plane. Um, and the analogy there is pretty apt to what uh, technology leaders have envisioned for the vaccine. Um, in that article, I reference um, Microsoft and Salesforce and a consortium of companies. They really got together and um, utilizing these well-understood technologies, they kind of um, put together a proof of concept and a prototype um, and uh, have offered that to the public. You know, anybody can go and look at it. It's in GitHub. There's code examples. But the, taking the technology problem, which is well understood, the real effort involved is going to be in implementing it and making it work. And when I imagine that happening, it, and especially in the US where the healthcare system is deliberately fragmented, each care provider, so for example, your hospital, who's actually putting a, a vaccine into someone's arm, has to authenticate who the individual is mm -hmm. and provision them a certificate that is universally recognizable so that it is then useful outside, say, the proximity of your community on a, a plane or at a customs office or at a restaurant across the world. Yeah. And, and Mike, if I can stop you there, you know, you've hit on, on a real issue that, that most vaccination hubs have. Uh, and that's the amount of documentation that's necessary, uh, you know, not only on the front end from the, uh, the person receiving the vaccine, but then, you know, state and federal government, too. It's taking, on average, uh, you know, between three and four minutes per 
uh, per person who's being vaccinated to get all the paperwork in. And so, you know, that really, you know, compounds a, 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 and creates a really cumbersome process. So, you know, that, I totally understand that. And that. that problem where you're kind of, you can attack that problem with um, linear labor forces, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, geez, we're going to, we're going to double our vaccine count. That means we're going to double the amount of paperwork that we need yeah. to get to our state or federal regulators who are collating this data. Um, but, and, and those are institutions that you're transmitting data to and from. You know who they are. You know what data they needed in. Um, you know how they're going to use it. And when there's a problem, you can pick up the phone. When you issue a, let's say, a digital certificate to someone, you don't know where that's going to be used. Um, when or how there's no customer service mm -hmm. um, person to call. So the, the investment really must be made in a system that is designed to accommodate that flexibility as opposed to a um, more coordinated um, data transmission, which is what you guys are accustomed to mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so, so let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, the, the technology piece really isn't that difficult, but there's a lot of constraints to this. You know, right now in our society, there there's mistrust on all sides of the spectrum. Uh, and, you know, even of the vaccine itself of, you know, does COVID really exist and all that. And I'm sure, you know, if we do move to, or I shouldn't say if, when we do move to that, uh, you know, uh, uh, non-optional vaccination to travel, if you will. You know, a lot of people are going to have a lot of mistrust in that too. So that's one thing, you know, that uh, let's, let's talk about that first. You know, what can we do uh, to, to make sure that people have some level of confidence in, in all of that? Yeah, it's an interesting problem. I, um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, not in terms of healthcare, but in terms mm -hmm. of internet voting systems, which um, have the same an election that aptly as a result of this year is only as good as the confidence that people have sure. in it. Um, and whole systems can be designed to ensure public trust, which include things like third party audits. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, on uh, when we were running or when I was managing uh, internet election systems, we hired PwC to come in and grab copies of the source code off of the running servers and compare them to known quantities. And then the results were published in the public domain so that um, public scrutiny and auditability was uh, intrinsic in the design of the mechanisms uh, for okay. those systems. And a similar um, steps need to be taken by institutions. Uh, and, and again, I, I know we're, we're both in the United States and we're thinking about this, but in order for these vaccines to be useful, they really need to be useful worldwide. If I want to get on a plane and go to Europe tomorrow, that needs to work elsewhere. Um, we do live in a global community. And I think that uh, global institutions that can provide verifiability in the same way that they do with other mechanisms of public trust uh, mm -hmm. is a good first step. And the technology companies have, um, like I mentioned, Microsoft and Salesforce, they've um, spent some thought in um, writing the standard related to vaccines uh, with that in mind. Uh, they have offered themselves to be a, um, an authority figure uh, in the cryptographic world. It's called a, a central authority or a certifying authority, which um, is the origination of trust. And that's 
cryptographically passed um, to subsequent uh, certificate issuers. But that really needs the support of public institutions that represent the people. Um, the, the technological institutions are great in uh, developing the scaffolding, but the implementation really needs to come from uh, regulators and the leadership from regulators. Okay. And, I, and that needs to go all the way down to the local level. Like if, if I'm in here in Seattle and there's a restaurant, they need to have guidance from the city, county, mm -hmm. and state regulators on uh, with a consistent um, message of how these systems will work and what steps that the that the municipalities and the regulators are taking to ensure and they can put their rubber stamp on it. And that yeah. consistency, I think, is really the thing that is going to um, lure in the public trust, which is so necessary for these systems to be effective. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. You brought up another great point as far as, you know, uh, I've been focusing on more of the transportation and the healthcare aspect. But, but theoretically, this certainly could trickle down all the way to restaurants and, you know, even as crazy as, you know, your local city league softball team, you might need to produce like a vaccination certificate or whatever. Um, schools, obviously, I mean, they're already doing that, but how can they make sure that this is, you know, uh, authenticated? But, and, and so that leads us into another avenue is, you know, to me, um, you know, this is rife for the ability to be tampered with. And so let, let's take a couple of aspects of this, not only electronically, but again, there's going to be a number, you know, a number of people in the population that will just not have that electronic. And so you're going to have a paper vaccination card or whatever. Let's talk about that. I mean, I know that that's a little bit out of, out of y'all's area, but any thoughts on, on that along with the electronic uh, uh, security aspects? Yeah, I think that there are um, some useful ways to think about it, um, especially in relationship to a pandemic. The goal is to be as accurate as possible when you're mm -hmm. um, permitting entry into a secure location, but really you need to make sure that transmissibility is as low as is feasible to make sure your R0 is you know, as close to trailing to zero as is, as is feasible. Exactly. So if you have a paper-based system that is say, um, not as integrity and trust, um, it doesn't have it built into the fundamentals of it. It's just a piece of paper with something written on it. And you permit someone who doesn't have the vaccine into a group of 99 out of a hundred people who do have the vaccine, a relative risk is low. That, that isn't to say that um, systems and uh, and regulations shouldn't be in place to dissuade or, or make sure that there are disincentives to that kind of mm -hmm. activity. You know, law enforcement should be involved if there is um, entry into a secure place that is unauthorized. But I think the reality of the risk profile is that if you're um, if you're screening effectively 90% or more of individuals coming in in a verifiable way, and the rest of the individuals in a slightly less verifiable way, but still pretty mm -hmm. good. It's not perfect or provable, but um, it is enough to ensure the outcomes that we want, which is to have people in a safe space um, and able to, to interact in a way without the potential of transmission. Yeah, well, and, and you start thinking about, and, and um, you know, some people certainly have their, their uh, fear of the, the total loss of freedom 
and the idea of having to carry around papers, you know, electronic or, or, or real, uh, really frightens them. But if you step back and take a look at the whole, you know, the whole uh, landscape, your kids can't go to school. You can't go to school without your vaccination record. Um, you know, travel to certain countries already requires vaccinations. And so it's already out there. Uh, you know, we've, we've already ceded so much of our, you know, right to privacy anyway, if you will, that, that this really, you know, in, in an environment like, like a pandemic, like what we're in now, it really shouldn't make that, unfortunately, that much of a difference. You know, my, my uh, clinical uh, friends, uh, my physicians and epidemiologists are saying, you know, we need to vaccinate really uh, about 75 to 80 percent of the population to get herd immunity. And, and so, you know, to be able to track that in some form or fashion is certainly, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to uh, rely on folks like you to be able to do that. You know, a couple of other things too, and I mean, we kind of touched on it, you know, just the whole privacy aspect, but, you know, you, you start talking about healthcare, you're laying in private health information of individuals. And so, you know, anything special that you, that you think you'd have to uh, interject in a, into an already secure environment uh, to be able to protect PHI? No, the, the cryptographic protocols here are, are well understood and are okay. very strong. So um, the, the, the security of these systems is a function of their bit length, effectively, of, of okay. the key. And uh, modern bit lengths and the compute um, that is required to utilize them, which is relatively small by smartphone standards, um, means that we have uh, in encrypted payloads that can be signed and verified and are resilient to uh, attack, you know, longer than the age of the universe with current uh, compute technology. That does change with if there is a um, modern implementation of uh, quantum computing with a functioning Shor's algorithm, but I'm not going to be holding my breath for that anytime soon. Okay. And, and you just use words that, that were so far over my head, Mike. Uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. I graduated from college uh, almost 40 years ago. Uh, I took a I took a Fortran class. You know, just for you know, just to let you know how far behind. And, and I really and truly, you know, when when I had the opportunity to take other uh, computing classes, I said I'll never need that. I'll always have a secretary. Uh, so you know, my my knowledge of IT is uh, pretty minimal. Uh, so thank you. I, I'm so I'm so happy there are people out there like you that that think that way and then get that. So, so let, okay, we've talked uh, just a, a skosh about implementation, but talk a little bit about the various constituencies around the implementation. You already mentioned the central authority, uh, you know, kind of that, you know, kind of the, the mom and dad of everything that everybody looks to and that everybody can trust. But, but let's talk about, you know, uh, how the other constituents will be involved in this. First of all, you know, the vaccine recipient that you call the holder. You know, there, there's lots of aspects of, of this that, that the, the holder needs to, to be a part of. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, so the holder is someone who has possession of a certificate um, yeah. or um, possession of the vaccine and then subsequently the, the certificate. And this is actually the easiest problem to solve. <laughs> um, sure. you know, I, I have an iPhone sitting on my desk and it is fully compatible with 
the, the published standards by using the same mechanisms that they use to store credit card data. You know, mm -hmm. When I walk into a grocery store, I can tap with my phone. The same exact protocols and mechanisms could be used to transmit vaccine status securely in the same way that they currently do with uh, credit cards or boarding passes. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's more about how do I get this certificate? And that's where the real complication comes in. Um, if they show up at your clinic and there's, I, I saw scenes of Dodger Stadium, these enormous vaccination yeah. sites. Um, if, if I show up, it's, it's pretty scalable to have a stack of pieces of paper and then you write you know, a name on it and you hand it to someone or stamp it. Um, mm -hmm. An equivalent digital processes uh, are required to issue digital certificates. And someone has to write that software that is integrated with the appointment system, that's in integrated with the um, healthcare record systems, and they need to incorporate this digital certificate um, into the delivery. So instead of delivering the vaccine and piece of paper, which like you said, has you know, five minutes of overhead per, per shot in your case, um, to issuing the, the physical vaccine, maybe a piece of paper also, and also a digital certificate. And that digital certificate will require more investment than printing lots of pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. um, it, it will also need to um, almost certainly log who administered the vaccine, like which practitioner actually administered the care um, and validate the identity um, of the individual. Um, and then tie those together and then deliver them into the secure payload to uh, the patient. Um, and they will need to like accept that um, in the same way that you, if you are downloading a, a boarding pass, you accept mm -hmm. that boarding pass onto your phone. So that, that like lays out the high level of like how the certificate is delivered, but the devil's in the details on that. There are whole support infrastructures that would need to be built into place so that like, what happens when two people are trying to put their phones together and it doesn't work? Who do they call? Um, as, as an administrator at a hospital, I'm sure you um, have visceral visibility into how those mechanics work and how challenging they are. And we're having to rebuild all of that for the administration of vaccine. Wow. Interesting. Okay. And another, another constituent is, uh, we'll just jump to, to the verifier, you know, that, that public space administrator, uh, you know, that, that one seems, you know, fairly easy. I just need to verify that you've had the vaccine. But That's right. Where are, the, where are your issues in that? Um, the, the, this is also more straightforward, but will mm -hmm. come with um, a significant bur burden on local regulators as they plan to reopen. Uh, similarly, the technology here is uncomplicated. It doesn't need to really integrate with anything. It needs to look at the certificate, which will contain a very simple payload of have I had the vaccine or not. Yeah. Um, and due to the way that trust in digital signatures work, that can be verified by these third parties without divulging sensitive information. Um, and so you can imagine a scenario similar to if you walk into a local coffee shop and they have an iPad there and it has things like a coupon scanner underneath it or it can scan a QR code um, underneath it. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the type of system that will permit yeah. um, the, the validators to ensure that people who um, are presenting their certificates are valid. Um, and the, the, the designers of the system uh, uh, the, the consortium that designed it, um, they have 
um, built into the protocol a way for this to be done uh, without being connected to the internet in the same way that certificates are signed for um, secure internet transmission over SSL. Okay. Well, like I said, we already talked about the central authority. Uh, here's, here's the one I think that's the, that's the constituent that will cause you the most problem is that issuer. You know, those of us, in the healthcare practitioner, where our EMRs don't talk, even within our own systems. Good luck with that. <laughs> it, it, indeed, and, and I, I would extrapolate the problem to be um, even more systemic, which is the, as administrators of those EMR systems, you're not developing them. You might no. be integrating with them or like maybe writing modules every now and again, um, but the entire IT apparatus that is um, responsible for the most complicated part of a system like this is not used to innovation or doing anything on a time scale. Maybe they issue RFPs and they ask for people to like bid on it and they pick the lowest cost vendor, you know, dynamics like that. That those are not um, scenarios that are well aligned with timeframes that we're dealing with here. Um, I, I, I horror the thought of how long your last EMR implementation took, but it probably wasn't on a time scale that is appropriate for the vaccine rollout. Yeah, I, I would, I would uh, totally agree with you on that. So, well, Mike, I, I got to be honest, I, I, I came into this uh, podcast a little, a little intimidated, but uh, you've really, you know, you, you've helped uh, my simple mind kind of get what you're doing with this. And I really appreciate that. So any last words, uh, you know, uh, about this or, or theorem or yourself or whatever? Um, I, I would just say that these are the kinds of problems that I spend, I'm, I'm lucky enough to spend my whole day thinking about, um, and I have a team of amazing colleagues who also spend their whole teams thinking about these kinds of problems and trying to really get into organizations and help them be that source of innovation. Mm -hmm. um, so we end up working with um, healthcare providers and insurers, trying to think like, how might we use our IT apparatus or change our IT apparatus mm -hmm. so that we are investing in what we need as opposed to procuring what other people are selling us. Um, and so that's really the pitch of how we work and how we think. And um, like you said, like, this is an amazing opportunity to really differentiate organizations and institutions who can adapt to this new reality where uh, speed and, and customization is um, really the name of the game in making a system and making the healthcare system more valuable to its its users. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Mike. Uh, guys, it's Mike Joyce uh, with Theorem. Mike, thanks so much for being with us on I Don't Care. It's, it's been, a, been a really interesting uh, conversation that we've had. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Uh, you know, number one, get your vaccines and, you know, Mike's going to help you be able to uh, share that wonderful news uh, throughout uh, the uh, electronic landscape, we hope. So, uh, so a couple of things. Uh, and I don't think I've mentioned this before on I Don't Care. Would love to have you follow me personally on Twitter. It's pretty basic. K.W. Stevenson, uh, you know, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a pretty robust uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, group of connections. Would love to add you to that. We drop a lot of our, uh, a lot of our I don't care uh, uh, topics 
on those both of those platforms. So please follow me there. Uh, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, I don't care. Uh, is every Friday morning, 9:30 Central Time, on MarketScale.com, uh, MarketScale Radio. Just go to the industries, go to healthcare, and then click on uh, my uh, my mug that you that you should see there. Uh, if you miss us, uh, quote unquote, live, uh, go to Spotify and iTunes pretty soon thereafter. And as I end every show, if you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson on your favorite podcast uh, uh, medium, why haven't you? So with that, uh, listeners and viewers, it's been it's Kevin Stevenson. And it's I Don't Care. And we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Mm-hmm.